Welcome back to the Social Impact Level Up podcast. This is where we blur the lines between business, nonprofit, and impact. I'm your host, Wendy V, and I'm a social impact strategist here to help you build a successful and sustainable legacy of social change. In this week's episode, we're going to hear from a social entrepreneur who has been on a journey to change the world just like you. If you are interested in social entrepreneurship, this is the place for you. Let's jump right into this week's episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Social Impact Level Up podcast. We are here with my buddy, Cedric, and we are going to talk about all things social entrepreneurship and edupreneurship, which is one of my favorite new discoveries that this whole group of people even exists, which I love education. So this is going to be really fun for me to dig in. Now, the other thing that I wanted to talk about today is about the idea of creating a legacy. And this episode is going to hit on one of the ways people can create a legacy. And we have a little surprise announcement for something that Cedric's been working on lately. So that is also to come as well. So let's jump right in and just say, what's up, homie? How are you doing? I'm doing well. I appreciate you having me on. Um, you know, this, is, this has been something we've been looking forward into doing for a while now. Uh, so I, yeah, I just appreciate the, you know, the opportunity, the invitation to come on and just kind of, you know, share and, and, and talk with you. Because, you know, we had a couple of conversations prior to and, you know, just kind of organic um, in terms of like synergy and the things that you're doing. So let me say kudos and commend you on your, your work first and foremost and uh, <laughs> say thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. And it's always good to talk with other leaders who are people of color in their spaces doing their own damn thing. And I always look at what you're doing. I'm like, man, he's got so much going on. So let's dig into the back the background of how this even happened. Right. Because this was not your road. You were a successful educator doing your thing in the schools. And now you're here as an entrepreneur helping other educators. So how did you make that flip? Like, what did that look like for you? Well, the interesting, I guess, kind of aspect of it for me was that I was already a career changer that when I went into education, um, I actually didn't start out as an educator. Um, So I'm not I didn't go uh, do a four year program um, in terms of, you know, the teacher tracks. I actually did an alternative track program, but I had shifted and pivoted directly out of science. Um, I, my background is actually originally in chemistry. So that's what my uh, bachelor's degree is in. So I received my bachelor's degree um, in chemistry um, from Virginia State University. Shout out to the HBCUs. Uh, and I worked briefly in chemical industry. So once I got into that, I figured I always knew I was going to teach at some point. Um, I figured, you know, why not do it while I'm young? So. I went ahead and did that, made the shift, um, moved away from my hometown of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I ended up in Washington, D.C., where I started my teaching career. Um, And with that, yeah, just kind of was a whole matriculation process. What kind of prompted a lot of this, though, honestly, was um, my wife came to me one day, uh, who I met actually at uh, my first school when I was beginning my teaching career. Uh, She came to me and uh, she told me, hey, we're going to be parents. And I was like, "Okay." Cool. So uh, immediately that that flipped the switch that told me um, I need to be present and I want to be home. So I began working remotely um, in the education technology space. And with that kind of gaining of time and being able to be home, not only be present with for my family, for my son, for my wife, but also um, to begin to create and really dig into my passions and the things that I, you know, really want to support other people in, uh, which ultimately turned into me create a bunch of stuff. Um, you know, which is, uh, you know, kind of related to, I guess, the whole entire idea of 
the social the social aspect of things, the social impact, which um, I was able to create Edu Hustle, which is essentially where um, I've been able to you know have the you know honestly the pleasure of supporting educators um, in a lot of different ways and fashions. I know we'll probably get into it, but that's yeah, kind of yeah. If, I love the, the name process. Edu Hustle. Like that's just the how did you come up with that name in the first place? As we're talking about that, I I honestly don't know. <laughs> um, I just it just one of, was one of those things that I really thought about in terms of, you know, well, what what things really, I don't want to say define me, but what makes sense in terms of just even, you know, the makeup of, we'll say, a teacher. Um, and I get it, I've gotten pushback before, interestingly enough, of course, but using the, the word hustle, because that's usually, there's a negative connotation. But I, I even with that, you know, I thought about it in terms of, okay, well, me, you know, in presentation of myself, you know, I, I show up, you know, I was an assistant principal at an elementary school, you know, pre-K, four kids running around and, and here's this guy just walking around with a beard and all these tattoos. And it's, it's like in, almost in, like, in it, like in an enigma, right? Um, and that's what I, I kind of thought about this and in, in, in that premise. But I also likened it to the sense of like, I've never seen anybody hustle harder than a teacher, to be completely honest. I mean, if you, if you've been a teacher, you work in the school, you've seen it. Um, you know, you understand having to drop your class off at lunch, run into the, the, the teacher's lounge, scarf down whatever you brought within two and two and a half minutes, go pick them back up, you know, make sure that everybody's straight and, and everything is set up. And, you know, on top of that, still adhere to all the duties and responsibilities that, you know, go along with teaching, but then the extra. So for me, it was just kind of just something that just it hit and then it just stuck. It just made sense. And um, it's just something that, you know, even in the culture that I grew up in, um, you know, growing up in, I guess you would call it the inner city of Pittsburgh. It was like, that was kind of a thing, right? You know, hustle, you have the negative aspect or regard for it, but at the same time, we have to kind of look at it for what it is. And, and we live in, you know, I live in America. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the nature of who we are, I guess, here in terms of my people. Um, as well as, you know, I'm pretty sure you can kind of attest to that, too. Yeah, there's a lot of people who hustle, not necessarily because they want to, but they need to. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. And, I think, and yeah, the negative connotation with hustle culture is almost like first world problems, right? Because it, there's a lot of people who can't not hustle. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like, yeah, that's great. That's, so that, let's talk a little bit about Edgy Hustle then. What is the platform or what is the premise of it what were you trying to create and what what happened <laughs> what did you create it was it the same thing <laughs> yeah i mean that again it's kind of like you get into a point where you you're like building the plane while flying it and you don't even know what's happening until it happens um so it's very similar um in that regard i was actually traveling for work and i returned home um from a, a trip and i ended up catching covid um and this was like uh late 2021 or excuse me, late 2020 going into 2021. Um, actually, no, other way around, late 2021. Um, and um, with that, I, of course, couldn't really be home. I didn't want to get my family sick. So I was basically put up in a hotel for two weeks. And within that, I started creating rooms on Clubhouse, which is actually how we came across each other. And within that, I was just really just bringing in a lot of different educators that I knew from the space that I met um, on that platform. And we were just promoting and sharing resources and information and just helping people. And then, you know, a few people tapped me when they were like, dude, you gotta, you gotta actually like wrangle this in and turn it into like something to where we can, you know, access it. So it's not just sporadic, you know, rooms popping up and we're just jumping in and celebrating everybody. This is great, but how do we, you know, and I was like, you know what, that makes sense. So it started out actually as a Facebook group 
uh, the Facebook group has grown now um, with, I guess, in about a year, uh, a little over 1,700 members, which is great. The, the mission of EduHustle is to help educators maximize their time, talent, and earning potential. And I focus on those kind of three pillars um, because those are the three pieces and components that, number one, I see the most issue and disparity with. And number two, those are the things that kind of plagued me um, as I was considering my moves and, and what I was doing and the, the things that I really had to consider um, in, in making any type of shift. So number one, of course, the time. I used to drive an hour in the morning, two and a half hours roughly in the evening, getting um, you know my commute for work. And it was there was no way that I could be in a car for roughly three hours away from my son knowing that he was coming. So I was like, there's no way that's going to happen, right? Got to get my time back, which ultimately then I would say helped me to maximize and optimize my talent. Um, and that's what, you know, help a lot of people because educators are extremely talented, creative, right? People who can actually do a lot more than, you know, what the job description says or just what their credential is, um, which is kind of the creative aspect of things. So, um, you know, there you have your talent and then being able to build on the side too, because a lot of, you know, teachers want to, teachers want to teach, um, and you're at the, at the core of it. But at the same time, it's, it's like, well, you know, we look at salary, right? Which was talking about earning potential. Generally, it's not enough. So if you're able to leverage your talent and you have more time, then of course you can optimize your earning potential because if you're creating something over here while still being able to do what you love and you're passionate about over here, then they can come together and you know, you don't have to hustle as much. Right. So that's just the way it is. And, and those are the three kind of components. And, um, yeah, I guess going into that as well, I guess I can finish that kind of thought with it's also being built out um, based on goals, of course, because, you know, mm -hmm. goals are important in anything. Um, yeah. So basically, I am doubling down on uh, the goals that were set for last year um, and just um, actually multiplying those a little bit. So uh, the three goals for last year, 2022, were uh, to help 10 educators make $100, to help 10 educators make $1,000, and to help 10 educators land new jobs. This year, same goals, except we're, we're doubling everything, 20, 20, 20, um, and just trying to really support people um, in any aspect that they see fit. Because one of the, uh, one of the, I guess, misconceptions that I got early on when I first started, you know, kind of creating and putting this whole thing together was that the emphasis was on pushing teachers out of the classroom. And that's not the case, right? It's just, it's more so about if you want to continue teaching, great. Here are some resources. Here's what you can do in addition to that without breaking the bank or breaking your back. Um, and also, if you do want to transition out, being somebody who has done that and made you know change and, and being able to, to support other people in doing that, here's how you can do that as well. So mm -hmm. people have avenues. So I think that the main thing is that people need to have choice and opportunity. And that's what I'm doing. Yeah. And, it, and people can push back about anything, to be honest. I think when you're coming to it from the right value set and the right and integrity and the spirit eventually that'll triumph over, you know, all the naysayers being like, but you're doing this for the wrong reasons. You're just trying to make our children, you know, not have teachers, <laughs> make our schools idea poor, like, you're like, no, that's not what I'm doing here. But I think um, it's really cool because exactly what you're saying. I've had friends who are educators. They don't have time to take care of themselves. They stay up late grading papers and doing all these things. And then they don't feel like they're fulfilled or following their passions, although they're passionate about teaching. It's not always enough to out to counteract the things you were talking about, like the schedules, the overcrowded classrooms, the pressures of administration, the changes in teaching to the test or whatever other com thing comes next. Like 
there are so many other external pressures on this group of people. What you're offering is like hope and opportunity and agency to make changes in your life that will make you thrive and happier. <laughs> so I just, I don't have any problem with that. I think that's a great model to give people that opportunity. Do you see it the same way? Like that's the sort of the difference? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, the, the ultimate idea of it is at the core, honestly, just, and this is not to be cliche or anything like that, but it's just about helping people. And, you know, when I really sat down and, and consider, well, what am I doing and how do I, you know, how do I make something um, of, and in this case, I think I'm, you know, considering the situation I was in when I had COVID and the whole idea kind of came about, the, the whole premise of it was, well, how do I help people? And number one, on top of that, um, or number two, rather, what should be, uh, who am I going to help? Who needs the most support? So for me, being in education, being in that space, my wife's still teaching and just hearing the stories, you know, I re had just recently, for the most part, transitioned out of my assistant principal role. So naturally, I still have a lot of, you know, my colleagues and friends who I talk to on a regular basis saying like, man, I mean, you, you got out at the right time. And I'm like, ah, that hurts, you know, and even considering, you know, people that I looked up to, like the principal that I work with. I mean, he retired after, you know, a year after I left and, and then a lot of, you know, he was going to head out anyway, but I think that that was kind of like, you know, the, the, the one thing, right. The Charlotte broke the camel's back, if you will. And for me, it was just a no brainer thinking about, well, how do I use what I know and support the people who need it the most? And it, that was just what kind of transpired and building from that. You know, the idea of anybody coming in with, you know, naysaying or what have you, it's just kind of like, listen, the, go talk to the people who have gotten support, ask them, I let them do the talking. And, you know, if people don't find value in it, that's fine. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, I'm just sharing information, right. And, and offering what I've done um, and, and what's helped me and what's supported myself as well as other people. And that's, that's essentially all we can do in the world, right. I think a lot of social entrepreneurs are going to appreciate that because you have a group that you come from that you're passionate about serving and you're just creating a vehicle for that that group to level up. Like you're like, here's what I've learned. Let me share it. And I think that's the same with me in, in social entrepreneurship and people who are trying to do impact-based work. It's like I have all those skills and information that's good to no one unless I share it with someone. <laughs> so... Yeah, I completely understand what you're talking about. Um, the other question I had about this this community is how do you find these people who are also passionate about the same thing as you? Like, did somebody bring a buddy? Is it like the opposite of Fight Club? Or is it like people just hear you talk and they're like, oh, man, I want to be that guy Cedric's friend. What's he got going on? And then they come up your group. Like, how does this happen? Because I think a lot of my my followers, social entrepreneurs, people, they're trying to build communities. And you, yeah. you're like just built up in a year, 1700 person community out of a couple clubhouse rooms that were loosely joined together. So how yeah. did you do that? Like, how do you get people to come? Um, honestly, and I'm going to take this from, uh, you know, another show that I frequently watch, which is uh, called Market Mondays uh, by a group called Earn Your Leisure, a gentleman uh, by the name of Ian Dunlap. And what they always talk about is, is help first, right? Help people first. Because I think a lot of times what happens is, you know, we go into things and, you know, whether you think it's a, you know, maybe a business idea or what have you, the idea is that, okay, well, what can I get from this? Right. And we talk about, you know, in any case, oh, you want to add value. So 
when you're considering the idea of adding value, basically what you want to have happen is share information, share resources, things that people can take and they don't necessarily even need you to level up on. If people can get that type of thing from you, then, you know, then you can go into like, oh, well, I also, you know, supply this or provide this, but help first, right? My initial goal going into all of this before I even probably had like a name and everything was I said, I want to help a thousand people for free first. And again, I got that from the Are Your Leisure uh, Market Mondays podcast in the end done Like that idea where the goals are based around other people. And ultimately, a lot of the work that you're doing is driven more so in the idea of other people being successful is innately going to make you become a little bit more successful in yourself. So I think if you emphasize that, right, chase the people, then it, it just kind of comes a little bit more naturally and organically and, and ultimately just kind of don't approach things with like, I don't know, any type of notion of like an ulterior motive. So for me, it was just the idea of getting started, getting launched with, okay, well, how can I help people? What information can I provide? What resources can I just share openly? Um, and from that, you know, people will then say, well, what else you got? Right? What else can you do? How else can you help me? Um, in which case, then you can build on from your skill set and, and talk about, you know, the things that you provide and what else you can do. But that has to be a continual thread throughout. And even once, you know, people start joining into what you're doing and and they really kind of take heed to listening to you or anything like that. I think the the key component of everything within this is just help, help. Are you helping, right? Um, because there, there, there can always, again, be, you know, some, some of the conversations around like, well, wh what have you done for me lately type of thing? And, you know, if you can always have a, that to lean on, which is why I built my goals the way that I did, right? The, the 20 and 20 and 20 around helping other people, because consider it this way. If you can help 20 people make $100, I mean, I'm pretty sure you can help yourself make $100, right? Or those 20 people will be more likely to say, you know what? This person helped me make $100. I mean, I could, I could at least support them or share what they're doing. Um, and then, of course, going into things like the job aspect um, to where it can get to a point of, you know, openness for collaboration. Uh, I've had a lot of people come in and they, they, do res they have resources and create their own products and things like that as well. And I'm just like, well, let me take a look at what you got going on and support other people. Doesn't, char you know, doesn't cost me anything to like share anything on social media and stuff like that. I just think that, um, you know, we have to be less you know, stingy with our information. Um, don't give everything away. You don't want to, you know, give all the secret sauce, but you know, sometimes, you know, you, you, you do want to share how the sausage is made as they say. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I find people more want me to work with them through the problem, and that's really what they are willing to quote unquote pay for. And mm -hmm. the information that I give, it's like I can just give you all a bunch of information. You're going to absorb it or yeah. maybe not because it's so much. I mean, if I sat down with you for 50 days, I probably couldn't tell you everything in my brain. <laughs> I'm going to give you what I can for free. Um, because I think it's great to give, um, to not be a, a gatekeeper of information, right? To have access to people, especially people of color who we had started talking about this before in, in the beginning, before we started taping, like just coming from certain places, certain communities, different aspects of life, like everybody is in a different place. But if you get access to information, everybody also, then it evens a playing field for you to be able to take those next steps. And so that's kind of what you're helping too is giving people access to the information that they can use to then take the next steps and be a better person, be more fulfilled, like whatever their goal is. But the goal to use is, uh, I mean, I think um, 
when I hear you say it, it's so clear how you've created this in the traditional social impact model that is very successful, which is let me measure my success, make new metrics and set higher goals every year. And then if I don't reach them, I need to evaluate my situation. But if I need to reach them, I still need to evaluate my situation (laughs) and go back and do it all over again. So you're basically in the continuous quality improvement cycle, (laughs) which I think is cool. (laughs) I mean, it's, and that's, you know, with anything, you want, you want to get better every, every day. And, and, and with that, of course, the idea of, you know, the kind of gatekeeping information and then that type of thing is like, the way that I kind of view it is if, and this is, hopefully I don't stop on any toes by saying this, um, but if, if somebody is like, just completely like harboring all the information, that means that they might not necessarily know as much as you think they know, right? If it, because you know, again, you can, I've heard this too, same podcast that I mentioned before in reference, like you can give your way into poverty, like that's possible, right? Like, but at the end of the day, you have to be able to get to a point where if you want people to actually listen to what you're saying and, and I mean, ultimately, I guess what we're talking about entrepreneurship, you want people to buy your stuff, then it's like, well, why, right? Why do you, why, right? They don't have a sample. If there's, you know, nothing there, no type of backing, no type of proof of concept, then nobody cares, right? So naturally for me, and this is kind of another component, I think also related to it is um, I'm not like a sales type of person. It's just, it's not, I don't have, I don't know. It's just not, it doesn't feel You and great. me both, Hobie. We would so. be the worst salesy. We'd be trying to sell something to each other and be like, you just want yeah. it for free? Yeah, okay, let's go. Yeah, you're like, yeah, you know, <laughs> we'll do a trade. Right. Exactly. But with that, you know, you, you even get into the talks about like, well, you know, you're, you're not, you're not charging enough and that type of thing, which is a whole nother aspect. But for me, it was more so about if I help a lot of other people, the likelihood of them telling other people how I help them would then be my marketing. And I don't have to like, be like, buy my stuff. It's great. Right. You know, if good work sells itself at the end of the day, and in in that regard, it's like, well, if somebody else can can speak directly about what you do, you don't have to say anything. And for me, that's just kind of like what I aim for. Honestly, it's like I just need (laughs) I need like 100 people to be like, he's good. He stamped. He helped me. This is the the result. Yeah. And, And from there, it's just like I just I just provide service or I just offer the support. And, and, you know, just kind of do what I do and create. But outside of that, you know, it's, it's, you know, all about helping people staying grounded and, you know, just really considering like, what's the point? Like, why are you doing this? And if you Mm -hmm. forget that premise, I think everything else just kind of goes out the window. No, it's true. Like, no, they talk about finding your why and finding your ideal clients and all these other things and, and the business kind of aspect. But for social entrepreneurs, a lot of us, that's innate, like we kind of already have an, a passion thing that we were working on probably on the side while working for somebody else or a volunteer thing or a donation thing. Like we, we usually, I feel like social entrepreneurs, before they really step out and do it full time, they have this sense of service that has followed them around for a while. Did you have that? Like, can you pinpoint back into your past where you first, like I ask people this, and it's usually really hard for people, but do you know like where you first got that sense that, hey, I want to live a life of service or I want to help others or I want to give back? Like where where was that for you in your journey? Oh, for sure. I mean, I could think, yeah, definitely from back to my childhood. Um, I'm one of six children. And, you know, even considering that, like my my family, you know, be it a pretty big family, we always were like 
in close proximity for the most part, things like that. But um, unfortunately, when I was 10, I lost my mom uh, to breast cancer. So with that, though, my, my mom was always like really deep into education, which was why like it just made sense for me to really consider this kind of career pathway or just at some point um, even going into science. But once that happened, and honestly, it was the idea of, you know, seeing, I guess, how that impacted the the grand scheme and scope of my family in general, you know, considering like my dad, shout out to my dad, he, he like really held it together. Was, I, I talked to him every day. I'm like, dude, I don't know how you did it. You're, you're crazy. Um, I don't know how they started out with six years in the general. I'm like, but that's, that's yeah, a whole other thing within no, itself. That's like a uh, lot. Like, I'm chasing my, I'm chasing my, my son around. And I'm like, I gotta go do some more pull-ups. This is ridiculous. But, um, yeah, so just, you know, being in that space and then also, you know, having to kind of grow up fast and be there and really in support of my siblings because I'm the second eldest. And I have an older brother um, and he, you know, he moved out when he was 18. So at that time I was 13 and then I have four younger siblings. So being able to um, understand what it meant to kind of step into that space and step into that 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 role um, as my dad was, you know, doing what he had to do. He had to work um, and, and support and provide. And I, I got that kind of early. And that that just really instilled something in me, or, you know, from that point on, you know, from all the principles that my mom, you know, really kind of pushed into, you know, what we were doing as far as work ethic and, and school and education and my dad and just how hard he worked and, and the, you know, the really kind of like pillars and things that, you know, make us stand. Um, and for me in, in particular, you know, as a man, like those things are always pieces that were woven throughout and just looking at how, you know, they helped other people. And for me, it was just kind of always just like, you know, you look out for other people, right? You, you do, you do what's right and you treat people the way that you want to be treated. All those kind of same old age old monikers and things, but it just, they were just really firm and, and practical to me. So, I mean, from that point on, honestly, it was just like, you know, you move with integrity, respect, and you support other people, right? You help other people out, you know, and that's really thinking about you know, from the younger people and, you know, the youth, I used to, you know, support, of course, with my siblings, but then, you know, got family who have, you know, babies and stuff like that. So I got a little bit of experience with that type of thing early on, but then even going on to helping out older people, right? Elderly people in the community, like you, you support the lady walking across the street. It's this thing. And in a lot of cases, you do those things without expecting anything in return. It just, it just is what it is. So, um, I think, you know, that is kind of where it ignited. Um, but if I, if I had to pinpoint kind of one instance or one experience in my life, it was, you know, my mom, um, and yes, her passing, but also just the, the, I guess the, the process of kind of seeing her, um, you know, lose her life or for lack of a better term, um, mm -hmm. just because she, su she suffered for a little while and it was just like, but I saw my dad like really take heat and like be like helping her out and, you know, it's just supportive. And, and for me, I was like, that, wow. that shows you what true love is about too. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. There's a lot of learning in those kinds of experiences of people passing, influential people, but we got on the topic of your wonderful mom. So do we want to drop the news now and talk about what you've been doing related to this? Yeah. This is the second year of this little project you got going on, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I, uh, as I mentioned, I went to school for chemistry. Um, so naturally, I have a STEM background, which is extremely important um, to me, as well as, you know, I think the world and we're looking at job markets and stuff like that. You can have a lot of conversations, but um, even in representation, um, considering, you know, 
people of color, black people, um, black men, black women uh, going into the STEM uh, based careers. So naturally what I thought about with uh, my mom in mind, uh, my mom is, I was, I gotta give this caveat. Um, I always joke and say that my mom wanted me to be a chemical engineer. So I always laugh and say, hopefully, you know, me becoming a chemist was, was enough. Hope she's happy with that. But um, what I did was actually launch a memorial scholarship fund um, in memory of my mom. It's called the Julia Elizabeth Legacy Scholarship Fund. Um, and underneath that is, of course, the Julia Elizabeth Legacy Scholarship, um, which uh, I basically provide a $1,000 award, at least. I'm looking to increase that award um, to uh, an African-American student who will be graduating and going into a STEM pathway at a two or four year institution. Uh, the first award was granted last year to a young woman from New York. Um, I believe she ended up going to Temple. Um, you can actually go, um, you know, have inf any information related to my, my, my website, excuse me, um, and like social channels and things like that. You can actually look at her profile and read her essay. Um, but for the second year in a row, the application is now available. So um, again, uh, African-American high school seniors who are going to be pursuing a STEM degree can now apply for the scholarship. And right now it's $1,000 um, for a student, a single student award. And it's a simple essay. I believe it's maybe 400 to 600 words speaking directly about why representation um, in STEM and diversity is important. So if you know anybody, um, let them know and let me know. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to, um, you know, make that announcement and open up that award again and, you know, continue to honor my mom's legacy and and even just consider, you know, like for my son, where I want him to see that type of thing. And, you know, when we talk about when he gets a little older and he kind of understands a little bit more, you know, your grandma, like <laughs> this is this is what we did. And uh, this is kind of the the overall theme. And I, I think that, um, yeah, I think she'll ultimately she'll be really proud uh, to have something like that in her memory. So I appreciate you yeah. giving space to talk about it. Uh, no, man, I always talk about the purpose of social entrepreneurship is to leave a legacy, right? And I was like, this is such a beautiful example <laughs> to start out our season with, to talk about that this is not that hard, right? Like you dreamt it up, you had an inspiration, you put together some parameters, and then you hooked up a young person, like within, you know, the first year you did it, you found somebody to even apply to it, <laughs> to qualify it, Right. And was able to write the essay you asked for and get the and get the scholarship. So that's super cool. And now you're doing it again. And so I think as you do it more and more, more people will, you know, hopefully the scholarship fund will grow. More people will apply. More students will get served. Like, it's just an amazing legacy. So do you want to talk a little bit more about that aspect of legacy? Like, how did you how did you go through that whole process to create this thing? And now it actually exists. Yeah. Um, well, I, I just decided to um, do some research like anything else. And I said, you know, I was, it was always something that I wanted to do. And I, I thought about, well, how can I make this happen? How can I, you know, you know my mom's legacy and, and her memories is always something that I hold dear, right? Um, my, my first tattoo was from my mom. Um, and, you know, building on that, it was just, all right, well, how do I memorialize her and, and also at the same time do something that she would have been proud of, right? Not necessarily just like, you know, I could put my mom's face on a book, like a billboard or something. And that would have been like, oh, it's great, right? But this is what she was about. These are the types of things that, um, you know, she instilled and ingrained in me and, and my siblings. So, you know, a reflection of that, of course, would then make sense, right? To have something ongoing in her name. And I just did the research and I came across a uh, platform uh, called Bold, bold.org. Um, and the cool thing about this is that actually for the fund and, and for the scholarship as well, 
Um, if people donate directly to the fund, the platform that is built on is nonprofit. So they're, they're 501c3. So um, if you donate directly to the fund and to the scholarship um, and, and basically make an investment directly in the youth, you also can get a tax write-off. It's 100% tax deductible. So I always tell people that because my whole thing and in, in, in function and in fo in focus and premise and goal is to really have a, a kind of a multiplied effect, if that makes sense, um, exponential. So really thinking about even if you were to, I don't know, purchase a service or something like that from, from me, um, I funnel money directly into my fund. So naturally, when people buy anything or what have you, right? I always tell them, you're not just buying a product or, or service, you're actually making an investment because you're going to then support the next up and coming person going into STEM education um, by means of the scholarship. So it's, it's just a kind of a cyclical nature of things to where I think a lot of times when we talk about certain, you know, underserved communities and, and what have you, is that um, there's, there's this idea of, well, we have these cycles that we have to break or, or I'm the one that made it out. And I, I, I just kind of push against that and say, well, you know what, let's create new cycles, new generational cycles, and also um, go against kind of the notion that, you know, that, that whole like unicorn theory where it's like, you know, oh, you, 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 you're that one that. You're special. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> that's not the case um, because a lot of this stuff is. I made it out. You made it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're regular yeah. people right here. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and for a lot of these things, even, you know, setting up a scholarship or a scholarship fund, I mean, you'd be surprised how simple it actually is um, in the grand scheme of it, um, because there are a lot of, of course, with technology and things that we, we have access to these things. But I think it's more so just about uh, making sure that people are even aware of what's possible and what, what exists, because I didn't know until I knew. Right. Um, and, and for me, that's part of it, too, is making sure that I share not only that I've done this, but also how other people can do it so that we can, again, make that 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 longer lasting effect um, and exponential growth and, and support and success for people, you know, far beyond, you know, us and our, our lifespan, because, I mean, you mentioned your why. Um, I was actually asked, like, well, what's my, what's my why one time? I think it was in the clubhouse room, of course, because topics like that come up. And it was, um, at first, I, I started thinking about my son, naturally, right? And, um, and I was like, yeah, my family, I want them to be solid and I want everything to be great. But at the end of the day, I had to really reflect and say, it has to be bigger than that. Right. Your, your mission, your purpose has to be bigger than that. Like if if it's about you and your kind of immediate. At length, I would say, um, honestly, contrary to popular belief, people can hate me if they want. It's wrong. It's like it's, if it's about you, it's wrong. That's just me. Um, yes, you need to make sure that you're good and take care of yourself and your family. Yes. Um, but once that happens, then what? That's the question. So when I was asked my why, I basically came to the conclusion that based on, you know, what I've seen in my community and in schools and my experience, my why is the, the black child who was born on the day that I die. What did I leave behind for them? Because if there are no hieroglyphics, there are no writings on the wall for them to make their path easier. And I've only helped my son start line, right? Be more improving and further along in the marathon, shout out to Nips. Uh, then I really, I, I didn't, I don't think I, I personally would, would hold myself accountable, say I didn't do enough, right? Which is why I started creating all these other things, the scholarships, the, you know, the content, um, you know, related to student learning and stuff like that. And also even just like helping other educators and, and families. It's just, you know, it has to be bigger than you. Um, 
And if it's, you know, you're not thinking that, I think at that scale, then, uh, to, in my opinion, you're probably not thinking big enough. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dreaming and thinking big enough, honestly, either. I think we all, yeah, you know, we don't know this full extent of how big we really could be until you really step up and try to be that, right? There's a lot of things that I think about in that statement where you're talking about breaking generational cycles and having these um, young people who don't need to go through all of those steps in order to be able to, you know, achieve. And it's like, yeah, you know, we, we're trying to create scholarship opportunities for young people who <laughs> There need to be more opportunities for them to go to reasonable cost education. <laughs> like, yeah. that's the break the cycle. Let's not make this break the bank for everybody to go and get educated and make it more accessible to people. But if we can't do that, let's just step in the right direction of trying to help people out. So I appreciate the step in the right direction. And I think that the doing more is let's push back on the system itself, like really changing how we orient our expectations around what life should include or what we should have access to or how hard or not hard it is to get those things. And I think that, um, you know, when you're talking about people saying, well, I, I got out or I'm the anomaly or I, you know, I did this, I climbed the ladder, I hit the glass ceiling with my head, you know. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of us who are doing that, but the power is in all of us finding each other and being like, how do we make that shit not happen? That's the real power. And I think that's why it's like, it's exciting to meet people like you and you and I are like, yeah, let's go do it. Yeah, yeah just do it. I mean, right. that, that, those things have to become the norm. You know, it has to be an aspect of like, you, you basically get to a point where it, it's all about what you see, right? Um, I, I love being somebody with, you know, a little bit of a math background. I like to say exposure plus experience equals education, right? So for me, I was, I gave this example a, a few times when I talked to other people. Um, I personally did not see a beach, right, in person until I was like 21, like went to college. And that's because I went to went school in Virginia, near Virginia Beach, and people were from Virginia Beach. And they were like, you never been to the beach? They were like, you just come home this weekend. Like, you'll see it. So yeah, it's not an anomaly. <laughs> right. It's just like, it's not a thing. Like, it's a normal thing for them to like drive past the beach. Right. So just considering that thing, it's, it's all about like, you know, your surroundings, who are you, who are you talking to on a regular basis, right? A lot of the, the closest friends that I have are, are brothers like myself who are either married or on the path to be married, have kids. So it's like even thinking about that, right? Fatherhood and, and relationships and all those things. It's, it's all you know, really about, you know, proximity. And I think that that's a, that's a greater issue to where if we get to a point where we can make the, the impact and, you know, have this growth, then when you turn left and you turn right, you at least see one person who you used to think was an exception. And for me, it's just like, until we get to that point of like that idea, then it's like, well, we, we, we still have some work to do. And for me, it's just like, I, I get to the point where understanding if I walk down the street with a, you know, a tank top on and people look at me, like there might be an assumption that like, you know what? I don't think he has a master's degree. I'm willing to, I'm willing to bet that he's never been, you know, a school leader, but it's like, I can't, I'm, I don't have time to like argue with people and fault to that, but I have to, I have to combat the system to say, well, you know what? There's five more just like me coming up. And at that point. Yeah. Why haven't you seen this before? Right, right, right. Like Why just, is this an exception you know, to you? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a statement of like, look, we, we're here. We're here. <laughs> um, yeah. We may not be loud with it, but we're here. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, you know, uh, they always, you know, throw out you know, the hashtag representation matters, but um, how do, how do we actually 
show that, right? How do we, and how do we, you know, going beyond showing, like showing proof. And I think that that's part of, you know, with what you're doing here um, is, is, is an amazing thing and out outlining and highlighting that, you know, no, this is, this is not just a one-off, you know, carbon copy type of thing. Like this is, you know, a replication we can continue to build. So, um, but yeah. I appreciate and people do deliberate steps to get to success. And it's like, let's demystify what that is so that we're not gatekeeping the information. It's like, let's let's tell you how to start a community. <laughs> let's tell you right. how to, right. you know, start a scholarship. Let's let's get you inspired that it can happen. And you can see people who've been successful at it. And oh, by the way, they happen to look like you and have gone through some of the same trials and tribulations that you're going through or you have been through. And they've turned that into the power of their story, of their message, of their work, like whatever that is. And, you know, people could have like, I'm sure there are a lot of people who could have said, oh, my mother passed away when I was young, but not done anything with that information or not been inspired to create a legacy out of that. And now you have something that your son could potentially manage into the future or benefit from or whatever. You know, he has a pathway, but also all these other children, young people are going to have a pathway, too. So, it's, I mean, it's cool stuff that compounds, like you said. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I love it. Well, I want to give people um, a couple tangible things to end with. So let's let's do like the, the tangibles. If you had one piece of advice to give to someone who was coming up in your same shoes, but it was maybe a younger version of you or a version of that, um, and they want to make an impact, they want to help others, and they're not necessarily sure what's going on. What would you wish you knew when you were first coming up um, in this space? What advice would you give to yourself? That's a great question. Um, I mean, I think for me, I'm, I'm actually going to steal a little piece of uh, advice that I got. Um, and well, like, this is one of the, the, the best pieces that, that really jumped out at me. Actually, I, I could probably, if it's okay, I could share two things. Yeah, it's yeah, actually, yeah, sure. This I, is your I, episode, homie. You share what you want. We've got no timetable. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's highlighting actually, um, you know, two really informed people in my life. Um, the first is my grandmother, my father's mom. Um, and one thing she told me before I went to college was because I was I'm a first generation college, you know, student, graduate and all that type of stuff. And she looked at me one day and she was like, look, she's like, everybody can't go. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, you know, like not just about the school thing, but she was like, in life, you're going to notice that you're going to look up at certain points and the people that used to be there are not going to be there. And she was like, you got to be all right with that. And I was like, all right, grandma, you know, you 18. I'm like, all right, I got you. But then it started happening. And I was like, man. And then you get to a point where honestly, you start to say that whole idea, right? Of the one who made it out, right? You get, you know, that the survivor's remorse or survivor's guilt, whatever you want to call it. What I would give as as piece of advice to anybody, you know, kind of working toward it is that more than likely, especially if you're on the right track, you probably want to hit that. Like that's going to happen to you. Like you're going to be like, why me? And you'll question like why you were quote unquote like chosen. <laughs> um, I mean, and my advice would simply be like, just try your best not to, not to do that to yourself because it's going to actually detract and kind of take away from more of the work that you could do and you're going to question yourself in everything that you do and you know, all the stuff that you begin to put out and if anybody were to say anything contrary to you know the work that you're putting in you're going to probably give it more prom prominence than it deserves and that's going to again take away so if you really want to have an impact just 
push, just push, put your head down and, and, and grind and work because listening to all of everything else and, you know, not blocking out the noise is going to be probably the biggest distract, distractor and disruptor of what you say that you want to do. So that's number one. Uh, number two is uh, I like to, I like to poke fun at my dad and say like, this is the most, uh, you know, profound thing he's ever said to me. And of course, naturally, like anything else, I had to get a tattoo. So um, my dad told me, you can't live in the past because the past won't let you live. And I was like, I had to take a step back. And I, I looked at my phone. I was like, like you said that to me? I'm like, it's crazy. Um, what, where did he get that from? <laughs> I was about to say, oh, what, what, what you been reading? What you watch on TV? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that is profound. Who, yeah, who, yeah, who are you talking to at work? Um, but uh, yeah, when he said that, it, just, it hit me like a ton of bricks after I really thought about it because I was like, man, at that time, you know, I mean, I was, I was in college at that time, um, like, you know, maybe junior year. And basically what it, what it said to me was, you can't get caught up in the stuff that happened. And it also like made me reflect on like, you know, when I was growing up, I mean, I, I grew up playing football and things like that. And they always tell you, you know, if you make a mistake, you know, you, you forget it, right? Go move on to the next play. And that was the same kind of idea and notion, but now it was just, it was happening in real life, in real time. And, you know, when, whenever you, you have that happen, you're going to have those times where you fall and, and you stumble and, and things, you know, issues occur. But if you get so caught up in that, your headspace is gone and you can't necessarily see the next thing. So, you know, I would, I would also throw that out to, you know, a younger me, but I'm even younger than that. Um, or anybody coming up is, you know, don't get stuck in, in what happened before, because I mean, if you're still breathing, you're still moving, you still got a shot, you still got a chance. And, um, I mean, that's, that's what's, that's, what's really important. What are you doing with the next opportunity? If you fumble the last one, you know, that's one thing, but the, the ultimate goal is, um, really um don't make the same mistake twice and keep moving it's just like keep going towards that goal because yeah it doesn't matter who's to the left or the right or if you're by yourself if you keep moving you're going to make progress and yeah there's going to be lots of challenges along everybody's path but if you stop and that's what I, I try to tell people if you stop that's when we don't get the net benefit of what you were bringing <laughs> whatever yeah. that gold was that you were about to unleash on the world it don't come exactly. <laughs> then yes. we're over here like not benefiting from that <laughs> exactly yeah i mean and that's if you really position it that way you, by you not doing what you're supposed to be doing and, and putting out what you know um you know other people will benefit from you're actually doing people a disservice hey like you're actually like harming other people and now like, i use harm like in a i know i know what you mean though you're, you're not helping them out for sure <laughs> no i don't know because you know i you know i when we talk about education and, and educators, um, teachers in particular in schools, I always say that, you know, teaching and art are two of the aspects of like, you know, professionalism or what have you that I, I kind of liken um, in, in one box, if you will. And that's simply because those are the two professions where people are told, just do it for the love. Don't worry about the the money will come. You know, anything like else. Right. Don't worry about, <laughs> you know, the, the notoriety, the accolades. Like, but for me, I look at it and say, well, that's fine, right? And, and you know what, we do, we do live in that space. And yes, there, there's something to be said about getting what you deserve. But at the end of the day, I think you also have to go into the mind frame and the mindset of those types of people and say, why, why do they think like that? Number one, like, as, like why are, as an educator, why, as, a, as an artist, 
why do you continue to do what you do? And to your point, thinking about like, okay, if you stop, right, what is the, what is the long-term effect and benefit of that? And what I think about honestly is, you know, when you, when you consider, you know, the whole artistry effect of things is you're probably doing something right now that you won't actually see the benefit of from, from in your lifetime. And I think when you get to a realization of being okay with that, then, then you'll just go, you just go great. Like, because, you know, I, I think the main question is ultimately is, um, if somebody were to never pay you for this, or they were to never give you, you know, some type of certificate or, or, or big you up or put you on TV, would you still do it anyway? Right. That's, that's the question you have to ask, because for me, even getting into like creating, you know, I didn't, you know, mention anything like this, but like creating something like this, right. Melanated mathematics, which I, things I didn't see in schools, like I was doing that for free. Like the idea is to do things that you love that you would do for free. And then it just so happens that somebody was like, you know what, I'm gonna pay you for this. And that's kind of, you know, in a roundabout way of thinking about it, I think for the social impact aspect of things. But again, if, if nobody was going to pay you, would you do it anyway? And for me, whenever I get to that question and say, you know what? Yeah, like at the end of the day, and, and who knows what happens from that? Prime example, one of my favorite artists, Jean-Michel Basquiat. I reference him a lot. He, he couldn't sell a, a postcard, you know, painting that he did for $5 when he was walking around in New York. He sold, you know, one of his highest grossing, I think, probably, if not the, maybe the second now, I don't know if anybody surpassed it, but the highest uh, grossing painting at Sotheby's was $110.5 million. And I mean, he died when he was 26, 27, never see that. But at the end of the day, just the impact of it and, and even thinking about legacy and what that means for people to be able to look back and reflect on what you did, right, um, is, is, you know, what really has to be kind of at the crux of things. But I think it, it gets overshadowed a lot of times by other things, of course, but... Yeah, because we're so caught up in our day-to-day -day human existence, right, like, that it's difficult for a lot of people to go, hey, I'm going to go past this challenge today because I know that my legacy is going to be here when I'm not even here. It's not intuitive for people to think that, but I, I message it over and over again in a lot of the stuff that I do because you don't know what that compounding impact is going to be if you make even just a little change today or you do a little thing today, it could have a really big benefit to people mm -hmm. tomorrow. And it, it you got to be okay with not seeing it. I yeah. mean, to be honest, because um, if you're really here just to be seen, you're probably not working in that integrity space that we started talking about earlier. <laughs> so right, right, right. It kind of all goes together with that. So you brought up that book. I want you to bring it up again, because I, mm -hmm. the, next set of, the next question I had for you is, if people are interested in what you've been talking about, they're educators or they know educators and they want to link with you and link people with your work, do a little plug for yourself, your little promo, whatever you whatever you want to do. Uh, tell us, how do people connect with you? Who should be connecting with you? And what exactly can they expect in terms of how you help them? For sure. So um, first and foremost, uh, I always talk about educators, right? And uh, I gave my definition a little bit earlier. Educator is anybody who helps anyone do anything of benefit for their life. So what that means essentially is 
EduHustle, right, is the community that I've created and kind of the platform that I focus on. I like to say that it is especially for teachers, but not exclusively. And so ultimately, if you're a coach, if you're a parent, any of those things, um, there's going to be something available, some type of resource information. Um, but to kind of pinpoint, um, thinking about services and things that are offered, if you are in a space where you're you know, trying to make a shift or pivot in your career as an educator, that's one thing. Um, if you are an entrepreneur, which is an educator who is also an entrepreneur, teachpreneur, um, and you're building out some type of content, you know, product, whatever it is, there's support for that too. Um, and then ultimately thinking about, you know, the grand, I guess, idea of just supporting an education in general, um, I can help there. So a couple of the things that I've done outside of build that community is begin to also create content. Um, as I mentioned, you got Melanated Mathematics. Um, this is the financial literacy bundle. So um, I actually partnered directly with um, a few different um, black artists to do the imagery. Uh, actually, the gentleman who did all the characters, including the one on my shirt right now, um, I actually went to school with him. Um, so the idea of creating something that is going to, again, have a lasting impact, thinking about my son, thinking about other children coming up. Um, you know, I was able to create this. It started out, actually, I have another sample here. Um, it started out as a workbook series for kindergarten through fifth grade, um, thinking about the idea of core curriculum, mathematics, where you don't necessarily see as much representation in um, Black history. And this is from me being, you know, my experience as a student, as a teacher, school administrator. So I figured why not create something um, that's going to have that type of uh, lasting impact. And then, of course, with the financial literacy component, thinking about how do we teach our kids, you know, managing money, um, teaching them the basics, the basics of like the stock market and even, you know, going into like real estate and stuff. So if you fall into any of those buckets, then naturally there's going to be something available, some type of way I can support you. Um, best way, honestly, would be um, if not going to eduhustle.co, um, my website, E-D-U-H-U-S-T-L-E dot C-O. Um, I would definitely say, you know, check out or tap into my Instagram. It's just at eduhustle, all one word. Um, send me a message and you can kind of see everything that's available there, uh, links and all that cool stuff. Um, but then I also um, am really big in like intellectual property and focusing on like ownership of like digital um, assets. And one of the main things that you can own is your name in in, the, in that space. So hopefully, you know, whatever your first last name is, you have that. So you can go to cedricscott.com and actually see all this stuff too um, as well. So yeah, with all that um, in mind, I think one other thing I wanted to mention, Wendy, related to um, your previous question, actually, when I started talking about um, melodated mathematics. Yeah, go for it. Um, when uh, you mentioned like people getting to a point of like, you know, quitting and then that that impact of that work, not ever making it to the world. And who knows what what that you know could have turned into. I wanted to just really touch on that um, because that's one key component that I found personally that's been like a weird type of driver in a way, right? I'll get, I'll get to a point where, honestly, I'm going to be real. Like, I got to a point where I was like, man, I'm, I'm done. I'm tired. I'm, I'm going to do this. Only. <laughs> I quit. But once you get, like, I, I personally have gotten to those points. And then that's when I get, like, a lot of inspiration. Or that's when, like, you know, I'll get creative. And then I'll be like, yo, I just had this crazy idea. And I'll just keep going. Or somebody will reach out to me and, like, and just tell me, like, hell, man, I appreciate you. Like, I like what you're doing. And I'll be like, I can't let you down. But I got to keep going. Right. Or an opportunity will arise. Right. So um, 
case in point, talking about like melanated mathematics, I was really kind of running into, you know, like, well, what do I do with it? How do I, you know, continue to push and, and where do I share it? And I started looking locally and considering, well, what's happening, you know, in, in my proximity, like in my, you know, where I am locally, right? Um, in my, my neck of the woods, my city. And one thing that I did was, you know, I thought about, well, what does it represent in, in, the, in the terms of, you know, education? And if anybody, you know, has been paying attention to really anything education related or uh, even um, professionally related, professionally related recently, um, we know that DEI is a big thing, right? Diversity, equity, inclusion. So I looked into, you know, DEI initiatives in my local area and came across the Chamber of Commerce. And lo and behold, they have a, a whole DEI department. And I talked to the director of DEI, just sent an email. And she called me and was like, come into the chamber and talk to me. And I was like, okay, cool. Went in, took my books. I'm also an author, self-published author of my memoirs too. Took all that stuff in there, gave her copies. She was like, you got to go to City Hall. You got to go talk to the director of DEI over there. And I was like, all right, same thing. Walked into, you know, he's a retired police chief, all the things, um, pass it over to him. He was like, you got to go talk to the, the CEO of um, the local uh, chapter of the Boys and Girls Club, right? Regionally right here. And I was like, okay. And she also has a nonprofit. And from those, you know, instances, now I'm able to, you know, be in direct contact with these people. And also those opportunities are opening up for different things because now they're saying, oh, well, you know what? We did have plans already for an initiative to do financial literacy in the community. And she was like, you know, the, the, the director at the chamber and also um, uh, the amazing woman that runs the, uh, the Boys and Girls Club, they were both like, we're doing financial literacy. We should use your resources. And then, you know, I was like, would you come speak? And I'm like, oh, like, wait, I was, I was just like at, a, at an impasse with this whole thing. And, and then it turned into this just because for whatever reason, you know, I think that's, that right there is the really kind of tried and true testament of like where you really are, um, you know, guts wise, I would say like, if, like when you're about to quit, like stop, right. If you can stop right there and say, no, <laughs> like that's right. That right there, I think says just about anything that I need to know about, you know, a lot of people in terms of, do you really believe in what you're doing? And, you know, thinking about, you know, you see, you know, I got the picture of Nipsey Hussle behind me. One of the most profound things I heard him say in an interview was like, basically that he is essentially, it was the, the idea of like the whole marathon and really just considering that like, I'm, I'm willing to pretty much like kind of die behind what I'm getting at, right? Like every single day you're putting in the work, you, you're going through it, you because you know that ultimately it's, it's bigger than you. And me, I just kind of look at it the same way. And it's just day in, day out, you know, the hustle, the grind, that type of thing. But again, going back to the legacy factor of it, it has to be something that's going to outlive and surpass you. And that's why, you know, I do a lot of stuff that I do talk about investment and all that type of thing. But, um, you know, I just, I can't say enough about it. So I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> No, this is good stuff. I love it. I love it. And I think there's so much in there to unpack. I'm like, man, we're going to have to like go on a second live, like part two conversation to this part, because I think I'd love to dig in with you more about the complexities of doing this work as a person of color, because so much of what we talked about today is flavored with the experience of like 
yeah, we, you know, you, you've grown up probably with struggle. Like I think in, in our shared experience, we probably both have. And when you go through that at a younger age and you get all the way to this point, is this really the point you're trying to stop at? <laughs> like you're really, you've already gone through so much and now you get to hear and you're like, I'm tired. I don't want to do this. I just wrote this little book right here. Nobody's going to read this little book right here. And then you find all these people who are like, give me your book. Let's go share it with some people. And, you know, if you hadn't taken that extra initiative or that step, and I, and I love what you said about following your intuition, because in the first season of the podcast, we talk a lot about intuition and, and entrepreneurship and social entrepreneurship and how do you trust your instincts? What does that look like for you? What does that feel like? different for everybody you know how do you work with your intuition so more to come on that but I think the the other part about what she said is um when you're at that point of like questioning yourself you pivoted you tried a different strategy you like did something you took action like you actually did something so can you talk since we're already on the topic we're already going long anyways might as well just go what can you talk about like what made you go and take the book to the people and be like okay now I want you to see what I've been up to like that's pretty ballsy <laughs> I mean I for me I just I think that there just needs to be actual like proof of work proof of concept and I just got you know honestly to the point when thinking of you really just have to show people number one right and and I think Ultimately, the the main premise and idea around that is um, that I think that what I'm creating and what I'm doing will provide some type of solution. So because it's based in the idea of, oh, I saw a disparity. I saw things that weren't represented, represented or, or people that didn't show up in, in the content or you know, whatever the case is. Um, and one thing I, I always talk about, um, you know, maybe even just in my head to myself a lot is I like to say that you know, problems are great talking points, right? Solutions are great action points. And I think that too often we get into these conversations and we talk a lot about the problems, but then we get to a point where it's time for solution. And we might mention and we might run down some ideas, but the practicality or the, the you know, something being tangible is not necessarily there. And for me, that's the problem because I can't come to you and say, you know what? And I, 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 they don't teach black history in school. Um, they, I, I haven't seen anybody that looks like me in curriculum, but that's it. Like, okay. Like, yeah, like maybe you're right. But at the end of the day, like, what are you doing about? Cause that's my whole thing is I'm just not one for, I gotta say, I'm, I, I don't like complaining. <laughs> I'm just not like, cause I, 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 I growing up, I couldn't complain. Like you couldn't complain because there there was more to be done. Um, and for me, it was always a sake of like, honestly, being at a younger age, I, um, I felt as though like I was on borrowed time. And that's just, you know, that, like a harsh truth of being like, look, I'm not expected to live past this. People assume this about me because I come from here. And, you know, you're going to be a statistic either way. Right, either favorably or unfavorably. Try not to use positive and negative. Um, so, which one do you want? Like, like, which side? Because there has to be a point in time where people are going to look at you and they're either going to see, you know, one thing and they're wrong, or they're going to see it and they're right. I don't know. So for me, I was like, when, when I go in here, I want people to know that I'm for real. 
I want them to know that I'm serious. And I mean, I put in, I put in a lot of work <laughs> like to create this. So I'm just like, you know, at some point you have to step out of like the whole humility factor of things, which I still haven't, um, and say like, like, yeah, I, I, I did this. Like I, I did something good and, and, and people should look at it. It's, it's worth, it's worth the time. And, and I think when you do that, then that, that also allows other people to say like, okay, you, you believe in what you did. You believe in what you created. Let me take a look because otherwise it's just kind of like you're, you're a person with a lot of great ideas. And if you, if you don't ever go from, go out of the ideation phase into execution, I mean, it's, and that's just kind of it, right? It's the idea of being like, be, you can be really intelligent and smart and, and all those things. But at the end of the day, if you're not actually producing or executing on anything, it's just like, you just have a lot of amazing, you know, information in your brain. Amazing thoughts that go nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if people have problems with that, that's your girl. That's what I do. <laughs> that is exactly what Where I do. Help people go into actual, take action mode, implement your ideas, learn how to implement, you know, multi-million dollar programs and get it done and be successful. And it's like, you know, to me, I see it as such an, an easy structured thing. I've done it for so long that I don't see the hesitation, but a lot of people hesitate at that step from like, I know I, even having done the work, had the idea and already did the work, but getting it out there or getting the execution part out there so that it's used, that is, I think, even for me, I struggle with that, right? Because it's, there's imposter syndrome in there. There's like <laughs> all kinds of things. But what you did is, is an entrepreneur till I die move. It's like, I am good. I'm going to go down, like you said, with this being my mission and I'm going to go down with it and I'm going to go do it. So yes. I appreciate that. That's so good. Oh, this has been a really awesome episode. Of course, we knew it would be. We've been trying to connect for a minute, but we are such kindred spirits. I was like, what it happens is what it's going to need to happen. So this has been a great conversation. So recapping for folks, though, the scholarship name and um, the dates that it's active and that it is going to be an annual thing. So even if they hear this episode, it's not currently open right now. They will be able to apply next year. So just give that again real quickly, and I'll make sure that as the gracious host, I have all the appropriate links in the show notes so that people, if they hear that and they're excited about it, they can lift the link and share it. So um, give one more plug for the scholarship and then we'll close out. Most definitely. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, so the Julia Elizabeth Legacy Scholarship um, and the Julia Elizabeth Legacy Scholarship Fund. And I just want to add that the, the revolving factor of it is because it's a fund. So even if you're looking at this right now and you go to my site and you see, you know, support the fund, what have you, um, you can donate directly to it and that money will be recycled into next year. Um, so right now the application is open and available. Um, it will close on April 1st uh, and the announcement of the winner will be made on May 1st of 2023 this year. Um, so a little bit off from the dates uh, last year, the dates are a little bit different, um, but I will be planning around uh, April 8th, which is um, a really important date actually. Um, so I'm actually considering pushing it back a week. I haven't done it yet, but as of right now, applications in by April 1st, uh, announcement by May 1st. And the overall kind of um, point of mentioning the April 8th date is that April 8th is my mom's birthday, as well as my wedding anniversary. So um, last year it was awarded directly on her birthday. So pushing it out a little bit further this year, just to give a little bit more time for people to apply. Um, but yeah, applications in by April 1st and looking forward to support. Thank you. Oh, yeah, I know. It's been great to see you. So Cedric Scott, if you guys hadn't heard already, 
creator of Edu Hustle, and also we have our scholarship and all these other books and things. So he's got a lot going on. Follow him, connect with him, find him on whatever platform you prefer, and just get to know what he's doing because he's such an awesome social entrepreneur. We want to support whatever he's got going on now and in the future. And I'm excited for your legacy because I know this is just like the upward trajectory for you. I'm sure you're going to be you're going to, we're going to have to check in with you again in a, in a few years, see what you got going on, because I'm sure it'll be a lot more. Um, so big hugs to you, homie. Have a wonderful day. And thanks for everybody for being part of this episode. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Social Impact Level Up podcast. It's been awesome to interview today's guests, and I hope that you leave inspired to take action. If you're looking for any of the information we spoke about, it's probably down in the show notes. Make sure that you're checking them out and you're clicking on any of the links that seem exciting to you. If you are looking for a coach or a consultant to help you with your social impact or your sustainability, reach out to me via my website, hop on my email list, or jump into one of my programs. All of the links are below. So excited to have you as part of the collective. Make sure that you come back and join us for another episode next week.